Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cartel Conversations, the podcast of the Micro Model Railroad Cartel. I'm your host, Tom Conboy, and joining me tonight on Skype is my co-host, Ian Holmes. Ian, how are you doing this evening? Ho, ho, ho. I'm in a I'm in a holly jolly mood looking forward to the most wonderful time of the year, Tom. Yeah, me as well. Um, my wife and I have been putting up decorations and of course my Christmas village with my Lionel trolley has been set up. Hey, it's my favorite time of year. I, I any excuse to get it set up. It was November, it was after Halloween, time to put up Christmas decorations. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, my, my my wife and I nearly bought a uh, Lionel Polar Express set for underneath our Christmas tree last week, uh, but they uh, seem to be in short supply this year. Well, I mean, quite a lot of things are in short supply this mm. year, but yeah, that prompted me to to do some digging. I've been doing some research on the history of trains under the Christmas tree, and uh, we will talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, I'm also putting the finishing touches on the um, winter-slash-Christmas issue of the Dispatch. So, so stand by, proofreaders. This is the largest issue yet. <sighs> oh, man. Oh, it's such hard work for you. Oh, well, the good thing is, is I get to read it first and then I get to go in and and try to make sure we find any uh, typos or anything in there. I'm pretty amazed at how it's all worked out. So there's there's like 40 pages at the minute and there might be another couple of pages to come as well. All right. That sounds good. And as we're recording this evening, voting for the Halt Station Square Foot Challenge Contest is currently underway, and voting ends on December 9th. Be sure to check out the contest voting, and you'll find that on a post on the Cartel Facebook group, and be sure to cast your vote for your favorite. Right now, if hopefully this will all get edited out and be out before the 9th. The plan is I'm going to try to work on it some tomorrow and hopefully get it out by uh, no later than the 5th, so... Hopefully, as people hear this, the voting's still going on. But I think I'm going to go ahead and I'll record a special podcast episode after it concludes, and we'll announce the winner and the three honorable mentions for the contest when that ends. And again, as we mentioned before, there's no prizes other than the winner's photo, where it's going to be displayed as the group cover photo on the Facebook group. And then I'm going to go ahead and post the winner and honorable mention photos on the Micromodel Railroad Cartel blog page. There's still a blog page. And uh, there's still a lot of people who are not on Facebook and they follow the cartel on the blog. So I'm going to be sure to share with them as well. So a big thank you to everyone who has participated this year. Absolutely. What do we got? We have like eight entries. Yep, eight entries. To eight this entries. Year. Well, that, that was that's more than I expected. You know, I, when did I first float the idea of this back in March, was it? Uh, March and then we officially announced it in May. So, yeah. Yes, yeah. uh, so, yeah, I'm pretty amazed. So thanks to everybody, everybody for entering. Yes, absolutely. All right. We're going to have a Christmas roundtable discussion tonight. And joining us, uh, besides myself and Ian, we have Ken Hutnick. So, Ken, how are you doing this evening? Uh, good evening, gentlemen. I am doing great. Thanks for having me. We were supposed to have Sean Brandsetter on tonight, but he wasn't able to join us. But we do have Ken with us today. And, Ken, you... Uh, You've entered the uh, Halt Station Challenge, uh, very fine looking uh, uh, square foot layout that you got there. So congratulations on that as the voting goes on for that and best wishes and good luck on that. Of course, Ian's leading both of us there. So we're going to have to get out and campaign for votes. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm going to have all my family join the cartel. And vote. <laughs> hey, let me know which ones are family and I'll automatically approve them. No, we're just <laughs> we're all just kidding here, folks. We're, we're not going to be campaigning. But uh, but we wanted to get together. And uh, this being our uh, Christmas holiday special, we wanted to talk about um, our Christmas memories, but Ian's got some information. He's been doing some research on the history of Christmas trains under the Christmas tree. Okay. And they're laughing at me because I keep saying Christmas trees under the train. It's the other way around, guys. Uh, Ian, uh, what did you find out about this? Yeah, this was this was um, an, an amazing voyage of discovery this was uh like i told you earlier i said the wife and i were thinking about buying a lionel polar express set for under our tree you know and that got me wondering about the history of the train under the trees so i decided to do a little bit of research and uh, 
where better to start than uh, the curator of the National Christmas Center in Paradise, Pennsylvania? Yes, yes, there is such a museum. Yeah. And uh, Jim Morrison is the uh, curator there. And he'd got some interesting facts on the Christmas Center's website. It all stems from the Germans, of course, as do most Christmas traditions. You know, decorations on the tree can be traced to the Germans, but decorations under the tree are also can be traced to to the Germans. It's known as Putz. That's P-U-T-Z or P-U-T-Z for those people like me who come from the correct side of the Atlantic. Yeah. And these Putzes would be like elaborate scenes that celebrated different elements of the nativity. And it was a tradition that spread to the New World when families emigrated to the US. You know, there's well-documented records from the mid-1700s uh, of a group of uh, Moravian Christians that settled in the uh, Lehigh Valley in uh, Pennsylvania, actually in a place called Bethlehem, believe it or not. But there you go. They'd set up really elaborate nativity scenes in their home. In the mid-1880s, the records show that these, like, developed, you know, and people were, like, creating villages under the base of the tree with model farmhouses that were, like, uh, fashioned after their own houses, you know, and they, they'd lay these out on a burlap sheet or, or moss, you know. As things developed, you know, cast-iron toys started to be made, and these found their way under the tree, you know, and homes, carriages, when trains came on the scene, and model trains made they too found their way underneath the trees it's a german toy manufacturer marklin that's uh, credited with the first commercial train set and that was back in 1891 of course back then uh, it wasn't a toy for the masses you know these were these were expensive and very very large things but uh, the people at marklin saw the train set as the boys equivalent to the doll's house you know they wanted you to buy items for it year after year so they didn't just sell like train sets they also marketed extra coaches and wagons so that one year the the kid would get a, a set and then the next year he could get wagons and coaches for christmas getting back to the puts all going the puts seems to have reached its peak in like the 1920s i mean i in my research i found photographs of incredible things vast multi-level schemes with running water in them as well as trains running around under the tree you know because these were incredible things i mean i uh i found a, a wonderful website full of great pictures and uh you might want to look this one up it's uh, cardboardchristmas.com and the link to the page with these marvelous pictures is cardboardchristmas.com forward slash papa teds that's p-a-p-a-t-e-d-s then another forward slash and christmas 1920s html and these are incredible images these were just fantastic to look at you know I'll be sure to post that link in the show notes for our Christmas special, too. So if you're uh, listening and you want to find that, I'll put the link on our blog page and you can find that at microcartel.blogspot.com. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing stuff. Like I said, the 1920s was the absolute peak of peak of this because once you got into the 30s, you got to the Great Depression. And then after that, it was the war. So uh, the 1920s really was the peak for that. Lionel, you can't talk about Christmas without talking about Lionel, and especially in America, you know, Lionel was a, a huge driver behind the Christmas train set idea. I mean, they were a successful company before the war, you know, they really came onto the scene after the war into the 1920s when there was a lot of anti-German sentiment after the war, you know, because this was also true in England with uh, with the Hornby in, in England experiencing the same increase in sales, you know, straight after the war, you know, getting to the 1950s and uh, toy train sets became more widespread because a company like Lionel, who actually, did you know Lionel made compasses during during the Second War? Yes, I did. You did? Oh, 
I thought I was hoping to come up with something there, that a little gem, but but no, so their, their techniques in their mass production for the things that they're making for the war effort, you know, that mass production on production lines, that carries over into the production of toy trains. So that production could increase, you know. Department stores, sorry, a huge market for this, you know, and uh, they like to have their own store branded trains for the holiday, you know, Macy's, Macy's, for example, I mean, Macy's do still have branded train sets. Trains have been there a long time. Why run a train around the base? This was the question that I wanted the answer to, you know, I mean, it's when you think about it, it's kind of a logical thing to do. You know, there's a, a circle of track under an ostensibly circular tree, you know. Uh, there's another theory that I found as well that I really like this, you know, that the, the, as I mentioned before, these are big trains, you know, gauge one, standard gauge. These are big, heavy tin plate metal trains. I mean, these things take up a lot of room on the floor, you know, and if you've got people running around the living room full of the Christmas spirit, you don't want them tripping over the model trains and and doing themselves an injury, you know, because like I said, these are big, heavy trains. If you stub your toe on that, you're probably going to break your toe, you know, so you put the train set out of the way under the tree. And that's the one I like, you know, it's just like, it's the it's the that's the idea I like. It's like it's out of the way. It's under the tree, so life can go on in, in the living room with your Christmas partying, and nobody's going to trip over the toy train. So nowadays, like Christmas trains are like a big, big money spinner for the holiday. I mean, the uh, the movie The Polar Express is the thing that's driven this lately. Uh, Lionel makes sets in HO, S and O scale. You know, the uh, O scale Polar Express movie train set can set you back $400. Uh, there's a 15th anniversary special set that's going to set you back about 800 I told you I'd been uh, looking at buying one, didn't I? Yeah. Lionel even have a Polar Express licensed range that includes freight trains and an Sailor Express. And you don't want to know how much the Lionel Sailor Express costs. Yes, how much? $2,500. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that, that really isn't in the spirit of the movie. You know, it's just crazy commercialization. I mean, there's there's other, other examples of commercialization, you know, for the Christmas train. There's like there's a Thomas Kincaid Christmas train set. That I think that uses like a Bachman ON30 mogul and and coaches. But, uh, yes, because Thomas Kincaid's a big Christmas painter, isn't he? He's very popular at Christmas, so we now have a, a Thomas Kincaid train set as well. But I long for the for the simpler time of that Barkman ON30 trolley car set with the reversing unit, you know, that you could run through your porcelain village holiday scene. I mean, that's getting right back to the uh, German putzes because porcelain houses and houses under the tree for the German putzes. I mean, that gets right back to the origins of um, the train under the tree business. So, I mean, you can find the um, Barkman trolley car set. You can find that for about 150 to 200 bucks, which is it's not cheap either. <laughs> it's not cheap either, but it's cheaper than 400 to 800 or 2500, you know. So, like I say, if uh, 150 to 200 bucks is too much for you, then there's many cheaper sets around. Even wooden push-along trains for the very young, you know. And then there's Barkman. Barkman make a North Pole Express set. And that features a train and coaches in the same color scheme as the Polar Express set, you know flirting rather dangerously with the copyright infringement laws there i think you know but, uh, so there there are there are sets upon sets you know pretty much any train set manufacturer anywhere in the world has a christmas set or three in their range i mean where would the hobby be without christmas yeah i have very fond memories of christmas as a matter of fact i've got one that my sister gave me, it was my nephew's and he's, uh, you know, he's married and he's, he didn't want it anymore, but it's an old Tyco set. And it was one that's got all the accessories and things with it. And I've got it 
I've got it out in the garage in storage right now, but uh, I just don't have any room to set it up. But uh, uh, he got that one year for Christmas as well. And and I've got, matter of fact, I hear a, I hear in the background my Lionel <laughs> trolley running on my little my little uh, my village. Except my putts doesn't fit under the tree. I actually have it on a two foot by four foot board because my my village is getting out of hand. My porcelain village. My wife and I have been collecting for almost 36 years since we've been married and um, we stopped several years ago, but we've got, I've got some in, in here in my train room. And then I've got some, a um, couple of buildings sitting under the Christmas tree because I didn't have room in here on my two foot by four foot display, but uh, I've got my little Lionel trolley set up and it, it auto reverses and it's got the lighted bumpers. It's just, you know, I'm a kid when it comes to, uh, well, I'm always accused of being a kid, but I'm especially <laughs> a kid at Christmas time and a lot of fond memories of that. Hey, Ken, how about you? What was some of your Christmas memories? Yeah, very similar. I mean, when we talk about Christmas and, um, you know, not only is it a big time for manufacturers, it's a big time, like you say, most of us get started in the hobby. And that's kind of how I got started when, when I was a kid, uh, Sears here in Canada would put out the Christmas wish book, which was a giant glossy one inch thick catalog. And when that came, it was almost like Christmas already. Cause I would dive on the floor with that and just stare endlessly at the Tyco and the, the Bachman sets and all the different things that you could get, you know, as a boy wishing for Christmas trains. So that was, uh, you know, one of my fondest memories is going through that book. And even after Christmas, just looking at all the pictures and like you said, the accessories and the things you could get, it was amazing. How about you, Ian? Oh gosh. You know, um, it goes back, it go goes way back. We can go back before the Christmas that I got my train set. Yeah. It's like, you remember, I, I don't know if you if American families used to do this, but when somebody in the family had measles or German measles or something, families would bring their children round so that their children would get measles, yeah. German measles. Yeah, really? I'm sorry, yeah. I never heard of that before. Oh, oh yeah, pox with chicken pox as well. Yes, chicken. Actually, that was it. Chicken pox. I remember now. Yeah, yes, it was the chicken pox because I did get the chicken pox. Yes, and so we went around to there my cousin's house because they had chicken pox, and they had a train set. Hmm. And it's the first. It was. It was like it wasn't even double O scale. It was. Uh, it was H O scale. It was the. Uh, I can't remember who made it. I think it might have been Jouef in France. They made some, I think they made some HO British outline stock. Or it could have been like Rocco or somebody like that. But they had an eight foot by four foot board set out in the in the hallway in a corner. I was captivated. You know, I knew there and then that I wanted a train set for Christmas. And this was like, this was like sometime in the summer. I decided that I wanted a train set and I remember going back home and I was going to the I was going to the barbers one day to have my hair cut and the, the, our local barber was like a Hornby stockist and they had like a this Hornby train set in the window it was like it was called the Freightmaster set and it had like a um a diesel locomotive in it a class 31 and five goods wagons it also had a point and track to make a siding as well it didn't just have an oval of track it had a point in the siding as well so so i could actually like could pretend to run trains from one place to the other i remember i saw that in that that shop window weeks before maybe even months before christmas and every time we walked past the barber's shop i would stop and stare longingly at this train set because like i knew that that was what i wanted for christmas i had uh on mine um my family we we couldn't afford lionel and so i had a few uh, marks wind up trains when i was real little but i remember uh my dad getting an ahm ho train set that we used to set up under the christmas tree uh, this was back in the mid to late 60s and i remember um when we would set that up you know, I loved to operate. I only got to operate it at Christmas. That's the only time I was allowed to play with it. It was set up under the tree. But 
I remember one year, I think it was around 68. I think my sister was about four years old and she was um, trying to knock the train off the track. So I was running the local around and, you know, then what I do is I throw it in reverse and she tried it and she just thought it was so she just, you know, just giggle and, and just, so I'm, I kept doing this back and forth. Well, you know what I did? I burned the motor out on the, on the locomotive. And, uh, now I have to tell you this, this is, uh, my dad passed away two years ago from Alzheimer's and it was probably two years ago. This is how dumb I am. I, I started thinking about that from Christmas past, and I was thinking of that locomotive. I remember when I, I told my dad, you know, what I did, and, you know, I got in trouble for it, but uh, he, uh, he was supposed to try to get it repaired. And I'll never forget that he come back and he told me some astronomical number it was going to cost. And, of course, I knew we couldn't afford that. So, basically, that was it. So, that was it for the train set, and, you know, I... I broke it and, you know, that's, that was my fault. And then that's how it went. And I thought, oh my, it was like, he just like $300 is what I think I remember. He said it was going to cost. So a couple of years ago, after he passed away, I, I was, I had been uh, looking at some of the old stuff, AHM stuff off of eBay. And I couldn't remember which it was a B and O loco, but I couldn't remember which one it was. And there was a couple of different models that they had. It was a diesel. And I found a couple of them, and I was looking at some of the prices, and I don't have the original set anymore. My mom actually sold it at a yard sale about 25 years ago. I wish I had kept it. You know, the freight cars and all were still mm -hmm. good, but it was an old AHM set. You know, it wasn't anything real fancy, but it's just it's a fond memory that I had. But I got to looking at it. I was looking at the cost of those things, and it just dawned on me. I was like, my dad lied. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't cost no three hundred dollars repair. He just wasn't going to repair it because that was that was my punishment. It was like you broke it, you didn't take care of it. That's your problem. So it was kind of after my dad passed away. Of course, he had Alzheimer's. I couldn't talk to him about it, you know, at that point. But but you know, he passed away. But it was uh, it was one of those things that I look back and I'm thinking, oh, you got me, Dad. You got me. <laughs> So, of course, now that I'm older, I got my Lionel and I started collecting some of the old uh, Mark's uh, tin type trains and stuff like that, you know, as you kind of recapture your childhood as you do those things. But, uh, I mean, I'm not mad at my dad or anything like that. It's just I kind of chuckle at that. You had to know my dad. He had a really good sense of humor. But mm -hmm. that's how it was in my house. You know, if you, you broke it, that was it. And that's that's how it was. But I was thinking, man, he lied to me. <laughs> I know what a hobby shop it would have cost that much. He could have bought a brand new train set back then for about 50 bucks. So. <laughs> Well, anyway, that's how it goes. That's oh, one of my yeah. one of my fond Christmas memories from from when I did that back in the late sixties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I'm just remembering like uh, Christmas morning when I got that train set. You know, the first thing you do is like you sit it up on the carpet because you do, you don't care. You want to set it up on the carpet and you want to watch the trains run. And what are we always told? You know, you don't run trains on the carpet. Okay. But but you don't care at the time. It's like so after a like an hour or so's running, and you know we'd got carpet fluff in the brushes of the uh, of the motors, and Dad would have to like sit, sit there with some tweezers and carefully pull the carpet fluff out the brushes on the electric motors. So uh, yeah, he was pretty patient with us on Christmas Day because both my brother and I had like both got train sets for Christmas and uh, cool. Wow. Now, Ian, do you have any of that left? Do Do you have any of that still? No, like you, Tom. I wish I did. Yeah, yeah. same thing here. How yeah, about no, you? That's... No, I'm. You know, same thing. Like when you talk about your sister and having the trains, and, and Ian, your brother, my brother and I got our first set together, and it was quite, I guess, elaborate um, for the time. What had happened that, unbeknownst to us, is our parents had bought some used equipment from uh, a friend at work. And at my grandma's attic, they assembled a four by eight layout, double track with a crossover and had a Tyco power pack, the um, traditional lifelike, you know, four by eight grass mat that mm -hmm. was under all the track. But, you know, I don't know if they built the buildings or they bought them assembled, but, you know, they put them on the layout. They were nicely done. Uh, even looking back at some of those, I think I have one building somewhere of it. You know, there was no glue marks. It was, it was very well done. And then, so how we got it was we went into the, the living room for uh, Christmas and we opened up all our gifts and we thought it was over. 
and the parents, my parents had stashed the layout in a uh, separate room downstairs. So they said, well, there's one more thing to see. So we open the door and it's like this four by eight acre of a world, you know, was there before us. And um, it was double track. So my brother and I would race around uh, the track all the time. And of yeah. course, it had the crossover. So, what would boys do when you have a crossover? <laughs> um, Time for a collision. <laughs> uh, so, up until actually not too long ago, I had um, I had purchased, like you did, Tom, some old cars that I had the exact same cars when I was a kid. But they were they were toys. They were they were old Lionel HO. They weren't bad. The rest of everything mm-hmm. else we had was Tyco, lifelike, you know, not hobby grade from today but um it's i still have a picture up at my desk of the uh the board and i had of course now that i was a model railroader instantly i had torn it all apart and uh started designing a new track plan with you know mountains and streams and and uh a green greenery pasture so i've got a picture of that board in my bedroom cool Uh, yeah so i've at least got a memory of some of the photos that's nice. Yeah, that's that's great. You know, Ian, you were talking about setting up on the carpet. That's what my dad did. We had a really tight weave carpet, so we didn't have any real problem with that. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, I remember that old snap track that they had. And that's one of the things with the newer sets. You know, they have the, um, you know, the roadbed is uh, the plastic road ballasted roadbed mm-hmm. now with the with those. Um, what do they call that track now? The Bachman calls it easy track. Easy track. Yeah. 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 And that, and I have to say that's I've got some of that stuff that I had for one my own my own thirty when it when it used to run till my son in law busted it on me. But anyway, that's a whole other story. I don't want to start that again. That well, always upsets me. Did that happen at Christmas? Because you can tell the story. Yes, it was at Christmas. It was it was just a few years ago. I had it set up under the tree. I had my ON30 rail bus, and um, it was going around, and he was looking at it, and something bumped something, and it got, you know, one of the wheels came off the track, and I told him, leave it alone, you know, but he's grabbing it, he's holding it, I'm trying to get to the power pack to shut it off, and of course, he breaks the gears in it, because he didn't listen, and he did that, so, so, oh, I'm really sorry, and I'm thinking, oh, and so now, you know, it, it'll, it'll go, but the gears start slipping on it, so it's like, it, like, goes in a little bit, a couple inches, and then it stalls, and then you hear the motor revving in it, and it, I've got to get some gears order for it, and, and take it apart, and put it back together, but... <laughs> Yeah, that's a Christmas memory from a few years ago. <laughs> However, that's one of those when it was like, don't touch the trains. You know, I had to I had to get on to the adult about that. <laughs> I never had a problem with any kids. We didn't have a lot of kids around, but the kids never fooled with that stuff. But boy, I have to watch those adults sometimes. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, I've got some of that uh, Bachman Easy Track, and um, that's one thing nice about that. Even setting up on the carpet, it makes it a lot easier with that. So uh, that's one nice thing about the, you know, the, the little basic sets you get. And um, I had uh, actually got back in the hobby around Christmas time with a uh, Bachman N-Scale set. And originally got started back in N-Scale when I was... Uh, was dating uh, a woman that, uh, you know, we were getting close to getting married and, and I started to want to recapture my youth. I was probably about 20 years old. And so I went to my local KB store right at Christmas time. And they had one of those, um, N scale Bachman sets that had the old, uh, uh what was it? The F nine, mm-hmm. you know, Chessie loco and all that stuff. And that's, that's how I got back in the hobby, but you know, it all started from that old AHM set. That's where my, my, interest in the hobby and of course for you know when i was growing up i didn't have it and then uh you know when i was a young adult uh, until i was getting close to getting married then of course when i got i didn't marry the other woman but when i married my wife who i married to uh by the way i'm going to be celebrating 36 years of marriage on december 7th so and it's pearl harbor it's pearl harbor day so i never forget my anniversary so (laughs) (laughs) but uh, my wife has been she's not a big model railroader but she's very supportive and of course my first Christmas married to her. She bought me a bunch of uh, buildings and things like that. So, so she's been very encouraging. And again, that's another Christmas memory. That's Mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, I started to get into the love of the hobby. My first uh, Christmas, uh, I set one up, set up a little in scale and my first experience doing scenery and, 
and I won't even go in that. That was that's been a learning experience. But you know what? All of that learning from those mistakes I made when I first got started, when I was just 23 years old, and uh, you know, now uh, I feel like I'm starting to get the hang of it a little bit, <laughs> doing a little better than I was back in those days. But that also goes back to that Christmas memory and goes back to that first set that I uh, burned the motor out on. Don't forget that the uh, Micro Model Railway Dispatch is free. And uh, you can subscribe, uh, put your name on the mailing list by sending an email to me, and that's mmrdeditor at gmail.com. Ian, you were talking about uh, the Polar Express. Uh, up here, not far from me, uh, there's a... Um, Pier Marquette 1225 steam engine. Yeah. That runs the North Pole Express. And it was the engine they actually used to do the sound on for the for the Polar Express movie. They came up with crews and took sounds across all across the uh, engine. And um, and that's what they use for the movie. But um, what I've also done is gone with uh, I haven't rode the train yet but I've gone to the Christmas village that a small town sets up for the train to come in with all the the passengers on the excursion ride and they wow. put on this beautiful Christmas village there's people in period costumes they have barrel fires they have Santa's workshop so that's kind of for me been a kind of a new Christmas memory of going to visit mm-hmm. this whole little town that for uh, several weekends in November and December turn themselves into a Christmas town for when the train comes in for, you know, hour and a half, two hours, whatever the stopover is. Cool. Yeah. Cause, uh, the Canadian Pacific, they, I don't know if they've had one the past couple of years because of COVID, but they always have like the, their, their own Christmas train, yes. don't they? And yeah, I've, I've, I've stopped and I've, because that's come, that comes through Minnesota and I've stopped to see that a couple of times. And yeah, yeah, it's yeah, that's pretty cool. And it's like, but the timekeeping on that is like always so terrible. You know, yeah. it's like by 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 the end by the end of the evening shift, you know, that train can be like two and a half to three hours late. You know, so uh, that's pretty cool to see that trundling through the countryside with all the lights flashing and everything on it, and it's very cool. Speaking of micros, pizza layouts. Thinking about the Christmas micros. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been seeing a few of those popping up, not necessarily on our group, but I think there's one or two that have been up on our group. But but on some of the other groups, I've noticed several people doing some uh, Christmas uh, um, pizza layouts that uh, are Christmas theme. Yeah, I'm just trying to think how many pizza, Christmas pizzas I've got in the dispatch in the Christmas special section. I think I've got two or maybe three if you count my uh, if you count my little dalliance with the um, linear motor train under the Christmas tree model that I produce. We've got Christmas. We got we got well, of course, we've got a whole Christmas section in the dispatch coming up. But, yeah, there are two or three Christmas pizzas to be seen. That one you and your wife made. That's excellent. Well, and I know you posted that on the. You did post that on the cartel, didn't you? Yes. Your little yes, from I the did. train show. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was. I mean, I've had that idea for like. Well, the, the, the teeny trains sets. Yeah, came out about like ten years ago. It's like, the stuff is like so small. I mean, you just like hack together like lengths of different sized um, styrene strip and just glue them together, and you can like get the basic sort of like shape of a locomotive and a box car is just like a length of styrene rod that's approximately the right size and a tank car would be like a piece of tube or circular rod that uh, just just happens to be the right size and i thought when i thought this would be great to do an under the christmas tree doll's house model and so yeah i just it, it took me like 10 years to actually put the whole thing together because you know me i flipped from one idea to the next you know yeah, it turned out really neat matter of fact yeah. when i told my wife this morning that i i told her i said well the contest started i said ian's in the lead okay and now <laughs> ian's not in the lead anymore but at that time i said ian's in the lead and she goes well he should be that little christmas layout he had is just i said no no no, no. he didn't enter that one in so i said here's what he entered in and she goes oh well that's nice too so <laughs> she said i really liked the christmas one 
she just loved that one. She thought that was that was wonderful. I said, no, he didn't enter that one in. I said he had actually entered his his halt station was a little different, and I and I showed her a picture of it, and she liked it too. But yeah. she really loved that little Christmas tree one. She yeah, just yeah, was that. floored by that. So yeah, the pe- and if the my pe- wife's impressed, she's impressed. So that's a <laughs> that's a good compliment. Yeah, because the pe- people at the show when they watch, watched it, you know, they were pretty amazed by it. I think it's the sheer it's the size of the uh, the locomotive and the cars. That's the thing that amazes a lot of people. I mean, the the stuff in the in the teeny train set is very fanciful to say the least. You know, it's you can tell it looks like a a uh, steam locomotive, but that's about all you can say about it. But you know, it, it's a fun thing to do. My wife and I really enjoyed working on it. You know, it was actually quite difficult to find the right sort of size tree, but we found one on Amazon, and it's yeah. So I got that, and uh, it's got like little bells on it. And the tree just like shakes, so, so shakes like a leaf so easily. So if you walk past it, you hear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's cool. That's so, it's I, amazing. It's amazing, even in the small scale, though, how much your eyes are fooled when they look at that yeah. and they see what you want them to see. Mm-hmm. It looks a lot bigger in Ian's photos. It yeah, really it, does, it does. It does look a lot bigger. Even, yeah. with, even with the water bottle, because I know the water bottle was in the scene for a moment and it got moved. But, but you know, you realize it, but it just it looks so much bigger. And the power pack, that's the thing. I That's the thing that just blew me away was the little power <laughs> pack plugged into the wall. I thought, man, that's a cool detail. <laughs> I mean, an operating train's beautiful. That's great. But, man, that power pack plugged up. I know that was a dollhouse uh, part, yeah. isn't it? Ian? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know that doesn't control the the thing, yeah. but it just it just man, it was that was so cool. And you know, it's, you know what was really sad about this? It's like this happens a lot when I really get into. I can tell when I've really got into a model, as I do, what people would think are stupid things. It's like you remember my pure spring watercress layout, mm-hmm. yeah, and it has it has the uh, biffy. On on there's a a one twenty four scale biffy on the model. I mean, I went and measured up biffies when I was making that model. It got to the stage where I could recognise a biffy, but the manufacturer of a biffy just by looking at the uh, vacuum forming on the sides. They all have they're all vacuum formed differently, hmm. and so it, it got it got to that stage and. With this um, with this Christmas tree layout, I'd taken it to the Granite City train show. There was a second-hand train trader across from us, and he had some of these old vintage Lionel controllers. So guess who was over at the stand measuring up these vintage <laughs> controllers? <laughs> Oh yeah, so who knows? I might try and make a different controller, something that's a bit more scale accurate, maybe. But uh, did, you, uh, was... did you take a paint chip off it just so you can, you know, get the right color? Oh, oh, yeah. I, don't, I, th- I think black is near enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Yeah, yeah that, that was that was that was a lot of fun, and both my wife and I enjoyed working on that. You know, it's, it was. So problem solving together, and it's like the, the tinsel garland on the tree. That was like uh, that uh, chenille pipe cleaner material, mm-hmm. so because that like holds its shape. And that, I thought it was going to be overscaled to start with, but once we got it on the tree, it looked great, you know. And of course, the, the whole doll's house world. I mean, that's amazing what you can find there for doll's house modelers. You know, it's like. We've got some more decorations. I've actually got a star for the top of the Christmas tree from a doll's house modeling supplier. So, I mean, doll's house modelers are already doing Christmas trees anyway. So, I mean, I didn't really well, guess I wasn't doing anything special, but maybe putting the train under the tree. That was a working train under the tree. Maybe that was something special for them. But to the next thing to do with that is uh, I want to find a way to get a more realistic looking toy train under the tree and to that end i've been buying hallmark polar express tree decorations they do some really small ones and i thought well if i can find a way to fit these magnet 
holders under the bodywork of the coaches and the locomotive. Maybe I could get a Lionel Polar Express to run under the tree. So that's something I'll be working on for next year. The whole project was a lot of fun. So, Ian, how many uh, Christmas themed um, uh, layouts are you going to have in the upcoming dispatch? Oh, more than I thought. Uh, there's a goal. There's at least uh, 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 half a dozen, probably. And there, I oh, might excellent. have another one coming. So, yeah. Excellent, so, I mean, excellent. I was quite surprised how many people like took part and submitted stuff. So it's been a lot of fun. And maybe I can make it like a regular feature of the winter issue of the dispatch. But then again, we'll. We'll just see how what the reception is like, but to, for it, but it was it was it's a lot of fun to put it together, and I, I think from what I can gather, everybody who put together a Christmas layout enjoyed doing it as well. So, and I hope that comes over to the readers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ken, I wanted to ask you about your uh, your halt station uh, layout. Uh, what do you use for snow on yours? Mine is basically the Woodland Scenics product. Yes. Yeah, okay, the soft like snow. Okay, yeah. yeah. That, that works really well. That was my first time using it for mine. Yeah. Yours looks of, really about nice, by the way. Oh, thank you. And I find it maybe a little overscale for HO, but um, mm-hmm. what I did was a little different. Instead, of, usually with ballast and stuff, you would spray it and then um, sprinkle it on, spray it some more with glue. I did a lot where I'm um, just watching some videos where I'd spray down some scenic cement let the snow fall on it but i wouldn't scenic cement over it mm-hmm. and kind of okay. built up a couple of layers and that kind of kept the sparkle and kept it looking a little fresher than going back after and spraying it down a second time um so yeah, yeah I was see, happy- I down a second time but then i actually dusted a little more on to give it a little bit of that but so mm-hmm. i've still got some loose on mine uh, but uh it vacuums real easy it's uh you know it's not a real it's not real messy and it doesn't appear to be getting in the um, mechanisms or anything like that. So fortunately, I'm not having any issues, any any issues with it there. I would have found it went everywhere. You know, it was worse than ballast for me. It just, I don't know what it was, if the stuff, it was static charged or what, but it seemed when you use it, it ended up clear across the table from where you were. <laughs> really? Now, see, I didn't have that problem. That's that's interesting. Uh, I really thought yours with the, the lighted buildings and all and mm-hmm. your street lights. Just very, very effective. That just, uh, that really, uh, really turned out beautiful. And, and that, and that uh, um, the, the, the uh, little, the, the brazier as well, the little brazier with the, with the fire, with the fire yeah. going in it. That's, that's cool. Now, you did that using a, like a, a, the circuitry for an old tea light, did you say? Yeah, it's not, you know, it's one of these ideas I read somewhere, someone else had come up with it, but basically I just took an old tea light, um, Took it apart from the bottom. It's a little circuit board about, uh, you know, an inch by an inch, a couple centimeters around. And um, it's an LED with a uh, three-volt button battery. So instead, I tied the uh, the leads from the battery into actually my power supply so I wouldn't have to worry about a battery. And then just drilled a hole in the barrel and then put it up from underneath. And then it's got a couple of uh, sticks of wood and just a little wisp of... Uh, of a end of a cotton swab just to, for a bit of smoke, but also to capture the orange glow, uh-huh. and yeah. it kind of has its own flicker. Because it's the the orange yeah. glow that really comes comes over nicely in in the pictures. Uh, yes, thank you. Yeah, it was fun. That was yeah. one of those projects where you know you see it, it's an idea. Great, I got to do this sometime, and it just kind of hit me. It's like, hey, this is a great idea. I'm going to try this trick, and I've got some some old tea lights here. Mm-hmm. And who encouraged you, Ken? to go into the halt station challenge. Cause I remember talking to somebody a couple of months ago during an interview. I <laughs> wasn't really sure he was going to enter the contest. Who was that that talked you into doing that, by the way? Well, you know, Tom, I'm having a hard time remembering. <laughs> but, but you don't, yeah. I mean, hey, I, I, I tell you what, I, I'm glad you did because that really turned out. And actually I was thinking about doing something like that. But the, I'm glad I didn't because mine would have been fishing line powered because I don't have a motorized uh, trolley. So mm-hmm. um, I'm kind of glad I didn't go that direction because <laughs> yours really turned out nice and mm-hmm. um, uh, just exceptional. That's that, that's why I voted for it. Okay, not that Ian, yours is wonderful too. I love yours. I love all the other ones, 
I'm just, it just, I think the reason why I picked Ken's and I voted for Ken's was because I was thinking the same lines and, and Ken did it so much better than I would have ever done it. So that's mm -hmm. why I picked yours. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And, and really yeah. after you and I talked when, what happened was I was listening to the, uh, the podcast, I forget which episode two ago, and Ian was talking about needing Christmas layouts and reusing some buildings on something he did. And then it was all of a sudden this flash of inspiration, like I've got this downtown building. I don't know what to do with. I've never tried snow. I don't have a vehicle, but could I make a trolley? And I had a concept and that was it. I was off to the races. Yeah. Turned out well. Yeah. Thank it you. did. Thank Wonderful. You. Yeah. Hey, I want to give some advice to anybody who's listening, who is thinking about trying uh, some winter scenery for their Christmas uh, layout, maybe even under your, Christmas tree. Um, if you do work with the Woodland Scenics uh, snow products, Woodland Scenics does have a video on how to do a winter scene. It's not a model railroad related one, but if you go in uh, YouTube and look for Woodland Scenics in winter, you'll find it. But I want to give some advice from working with it. And Ken, I don't know what your experience was with this or not, but one of the things that, that I did was they recommend uh, painting, you paint the dirt surfaces with their uh, earth uh, earth tone paint that they use that they sell and i have a different method for doing um dirt i actually use a um, san, uh, unsanded grout and i just want to let everybody know that uh, from my experimenting with that uh, you're better off if you're going to paint the dirt use a paint that's uh, uh waterproof that's not going to leach into the snow because uh, after i had done mine and after it sat for a few days some of the dirt began to, uh, that, that unsanded grout, even though I had sealed everything and coated it with uh, scenic cement and uh, sealed it, uh, I still got a little bit of that staining coming up. And of course I used the soft flake snow to cover it up a little more and, and was able to cover up the spots, but uh, it just, it looked, uh, it, it didn't make it look good that way. It didn't look like, you know, uh, ground coming through the snow. It just looked like, uh, and didn't even really look like dirty snow. It looked like I had a septic tank problem somewhere. <laughs> so that's why, uh, that's why I, I encourage everybody, if you're, if you're doing that, learn from my mistake, uh, just go with something that's, uh, that will dry and waterproof. Uh, that won't leach into it. And of course, you can leave those bare ground areas to to do that, but don't use any kind of a dirt product. Now, real dirt might not be as bad, but I, I actually use the unsanded grout and it did have a tendency to leach through the uh, uh, the soft flake snow. You know, I had to dust a little bit more on it and it, it covered it up. And so far, it's I looked at it today, everything's looking pretty good on it. I'm not getting any more of that bleeding through it. So just a little helpful tip there. Yeah, actually on mine, I did two different things on the on the left side where I've got the park. Underneath the trees, I put some green ground foam, regular process. I put down some paint and then sprinkled on some ground foam so that underneath the trees, you would see where the snow didn't hit. But the rest of the park, I painted with white primer. Um, after watching the videos, I couldn't figure out why I'd want to put on brown dirt if I wanted. In this case, I wanted it completely snow covered. So... I used right, right, a white right. primer, then sprayed on the first uh, layer of snowflake onto the wet white primer, and then added a second level. So, you know, whatever yeah. whatever works for you, whatever effect you need. Well, one other tip I had is on, the, on some of the areas, I have a walking path where people were walking. And what I did was I just sprinkled snow on like I did in the whole area. And then I just went back with my finger once it dried and just rubbed off where I wanted the people to be walking so the sidewalk and the pavement were bare. And because it's such a thin layer of scenic cement, it comes off really nice. And then you can see the sidewalk and the pavement underneath the path. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I was working with ON30, so I, I just used a, a small brush, the handle of a, a small brush to kind of dump some things in and in my finger as well. So, But uh, when you're working HO or smaller, uh, definitely a good tip there. Otherwise, it looks like Bigfoot's walking around. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Sean would like that one. He's, you know, he's kind of a Bigfoot fan. <laughs> you, you can get a HO scale Bigfoots, I know at least, uh, and yep. paint them yep. 3D printed. All right, Ian. Anything else? No, no, I don't. I just like I just remember. I just remembered one. I did a snow layout once, and I was just, um, yeah, I know what you mean about the leaching through. 
and uh yeah because i was just like remembering the frank zappa song you know watch out where the huskies go and don't you eat that yellow snow (laughs) absolutely correct (laughs) be careful (laughs) so i've never built i've never built a made a snow based layout since but uh, so i was off but now i've got your you guys advice i might just try something snow basin for next christmas it's either going to be that or develop my uh underneath the christmas tree layout to have a proper 1920s putts scene underneath it those putt scenes as i went to that site they're pretty amazing pretty elaborate like you said yeah it was really cool and i'll, I'll be sure to post that on the uh show notes uh for episode 21 our christmas special all right guys anything else no, we we just gotta like thank everybody who entered the Holt Challenge competition. I was I was really really surprised that we got as many entries as we did. So thanks to everybody for entering that, you know. And well, we just gotta wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, or at least whatever you wish yourself at this time of year. That's right. So Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and hope you all have a great New Year. And we're kicking around some ideas for a new uh, square foot challenge next year. We'll see if we'll do that again. Be thinking about that. And if you all are building any kind of a Christmas micro, uh, be sure that you visit our Cartel Facebook group and post that there on the Facebook group. We'd love to see your uh, Christmas efforts there and uh, appreciate you doing that. And, of course, you can um, visit our Cartel blog page for all past episodes, and you can find that at microcartel.blogspot.com. If you have any questions or comments or anything else you'd like to share with us, feel free to send us an email, and you can reach us at microcartel at aol.com. And from Ian, myself, and for Ken joining us tonight, we want to thank you all for listening and hope you have a good, happy Christmas and a super new year. Good night.